0: Our newly charged mission is to broaden the scope of those entrepreneurial endeavors to make it a campus-wide, um, no boundaries attached uh, to what we're doing here. And so in other words, we're hoping to spread that entrepreneurial energy across all majors um, and have it live beyond the school of business.
1: Hey, it's Zach from Boston Speaks Up. That's the voice of Gina DeChamps. She's the director of the Angle Center for Entrepreneurship at Endicott College, also where I serve as entrepreneur in residence so I work very closely with Gina Uh, She talks about all sorts of uh, innovative programming that she's up to at Endicott and some of her career background on this podcast. But in particular, I think it's really neat how she's bringing some new initiatives to Endicott to help bring entrepreneurship, not just into the business school, but really across the entire campus and really plug the campus um, cross-continent into other colleges and universities across the globe. Uh, So some really interesting things that Endicott's doing to sort of future-proof the school and and really just take an entrepreneurial-driven, Approach to um, higher education. So I'm really looking forward to sharing this conversation with folks. You get a little bit of a glimpse into some of the work that I'm doing in academia uh, through the conversation. Uh, Thanks for listening, as always, and have a lovely day. Silicon Valley Bank is a proud sponsor of Boston Speaks Up. For more than 35 years, Silicon Valley Bank has helped innovative companies and their investors move bold ideas forward fast. SVB provides targeted financial services and expertise through its offices at 53 State Street in downtown Boston and in Newton and innovation centers around the world. With commercial, international, and private banking services, SVB helps address the unique needs of Boston's innovators. Learn more at svb.com. Zach video here from Boston Speaks Up. I'm here with Gina Deschamps of Endicott College. She heads up the Angle Center for Entrepreneurship. Hey, Gina, how are you?
0: I'm fine today, Zach. How are you?
1: I'm doing very well, thank you. It's, it's early January. We're still in a pandemic, but we're still, we're still battling through. Yep. Um, it's really lovely to have you on the podcast. Uh, listeners have, have heard me mention before my entrepreneur in residence role, at, at Endicott College, and I just, uh, we just completed our first semester working together, which which was lovely. So, th- you know, thank you for uh, the opportunity to work together at Endicott, and thank you for the opportunity to chat today.
0: No problem, Zach. It's been great uh, getting to know you, and the, the students here are loving everything that we're doing, um, and your influence in, in guiding them, so it's all good. Um, it's all good. I feel very blessed.
1: Thank you. It, it, likewise, very, very grateful on this end, and for listeners, um, it, why don't we start with, why don't you just give some background on on your current role as, as uh, director of the Engel Center, sort of, you know, what it entails and, and sort of what you're up to.
0: Sure. Um, so I'm, as you said, a semester in, um, I came into the role uh, upon the retirement of my friend and colleague, Deirdre, Dr. Deidre Um. And uh, I'm no stranger to Endicott. I've been teaching here as an adjunct for, for about five, six years. Uh, And then this role opened up and um, chatted with the the folks here, and it just seemed like a natural transition for me. Um, What we're hoping to do, or actually, I guess, where the the department is focused is obviously on entrepreneurial endeavors, but our newly charged mission is to broaden the scope of those entrepreneurial endeavors to make it a campus-wide, no boundaries attached uh, to what we're doing here. So in other words, we're hoping to, spread that entrepreneurial energy across all majors um, and have it live beyond the School of Business. Um, so my role here is to to guide and shepherd that. Um, in addition to teaching, I'm also you know, advising our Fuel Club members, which is our entrepreneurial club here on campus, um, and then all of it focusing on our pretty widely successful uh, uh, spark tank uh, in the spring, which is our pitch competition, um, for which students can compete for a top prize of $10,000 uh, as seed money for their ventures. So lots of energy happening around the department. It's really terrific to see.
1: That's great. It, one thing I want to double click on there is it, it, I love sort of the evolution of the Angle Center for Entrepreneurship going from sort of a kind of vertical business school um, it, to more of a horizontal cross, um, you know, Across uh, major sort of uh, catalyst for entrepreneurship, can you just speak speak to that a little bit more? Like, like, may, or maybe even give like illustrate it with an example or two of like the types of schools across the university and, and how, you know ways they can plug in. Like, for example, I, I was amazed at you know showing up at the at the fuel room, sort of the entrepreneurship club room, and seeing beautiful um, uh, art and sort of and uh, just a very welcoming, sort of um, vibrant, colorful sort of invitation into the Entrepreneurship Club, which was done by students, I believe, from like the graphic design sort of department in school. And and so like, clearly, um, the Entrepreneurship Club is starting to kind of touch and pull and, and sort of collaborate with with other schools. So I'm kind of teasing it out a little bit. But for, for, for you, can you speak a little bit about sort of that more horizontal sort of play for, for Endicott College?
0: Yeah. So the reason we are trying to kind of flatten it as opposed to making it vertical with our efforts here in the Entrepreneurship Center is really to get unlike minds in the room to look at solving certain things and create creating whatever it is that they're working on. Um, the mission of it is to, and the beauty of it is that we have all these different perspectives that weigh in on the possibilities, if you will. And um, so with that in mind, we have uh, students who come from the hospitality area and graphic design and engineering, even nursing. Um, and I guess uh, underscoring this concept that entrepreneurship lives in all areas. It's not just in it's not just a business discipline. Um, so as a result, it creates a much richer experience um, and it opens up even more possibilities. So it's been a wonderful thing to see. Um, in in our fuel club membership in particular, because there are other majors, students who are majoring in other areas within the college coming about who have ideas for new 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 products, new services, new apps, and it's just been wonderful to help augment their their thinking and and arriving at a solution. Um, so it's that's that's where we're heading.
1: That's wonderful. Uh I'm I'm curious how, how, how has it been for you? You were adjunct for several years before this, this last semester, which was your first semester in the director role. What's what's the change like? And you know, we're gonna unpack and go we're gonna go in sort of back in time shortly and, and talk about some of your career experience. What's the change like going from sort of private business to academia and, and sort of you have, you have different types of and resources and then you also have sort of different you know you serve the interest of students and, and ultimately students and their parents so what what kind of challenges and opportunities have kind of come with um with that shift and just like any general insights like perhaps we have listeners that you know are interested in entrepreneurship but they're also interested in academia and it's a really it's a really interesting kind of like multi-functional sort of role that you play because you a, a lot of what you do is is I've I've noticed is, is you're you're plugging students into opportunities to impact businesses in the real world, um, which yeah. maybe you can speak to the 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 the, um, the opportunity. I think it's with the MTU over, overseas in, in Ireland, but the, but things like that. And I'm just curious, like that blending of private and and sort of academia.
0: Well, I think it lends it, it the, the 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 private experience or the corporate experience that I bring to the to the this position right now. Zach um, informs what I'm I'm doing. Um, and that's not to say I, I bring a, a huge Rolodex of relationships and a network that perhaps might not have come with me had I spent all of my time on this side of the equation.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so I love that blending of, for lack of a better way to describe it, real-world experience and, and getting the chance to blend it with um, academic studies and um, you know helping to, to bring to life student aspirations. So it. it I think it, it quickens the pace a little bit, um, perhaps because I know where to go to get help or to, to plug students in, as you mentioned, um, so that they can gain experiences that inform what they're about to do. Um, I can't imagine, personally speaking, I, I'm glad that I took this path. It, it really has um, enriched my experience here, and I think it, it lends to the classroom activity because you've lived the the stories and and the experiences of being out there in the workplace. Um, So it enriches it in a, in a, in a huge way um, and and probably makes it a little more credible in many ways. Um, So it's, it's, it's really, I see it as a huge benefit to the students that come through this department. That's great.
1: Yeah. Just in in general, higher education is really having to innovate at a pretty rapid pace just to equip young people um you know with opportunities to the various pathways that exist um and some of which are maybe only just starting to reveal themselves to exist uh even in even in students last semester of school so i think the some of the stuff that you've done to to give students the opportunity to work on sort of real world problems for companies um Mm -hmm. and kind of collaborate with groups of people from other continents uh, that's, I think that's huge because that's sort of, you know, business is going hybrid work to say the least, if not remote, you know, companies have, you know, I work with a company right now with co-founders in Austria, United Kingdom and, um, the United States. And it's, it's increasingly becoming table stakes to be able to sort of, uh, t- you know, collaborate, you know, across, across continents and, and sort of just, be agile and, uh, and work on problems and come up with, you know, solutions that are truly, um, truly unique. And, and there's, and, and I think part of, you know, part of what could be interesting for you to chat about a bit is sort of just some of that kind of program design that you're working on, but then also some of the folks that you draw key principles from that you can repeat, like, you know, you and I are very aligned on Eric rise and the lean startup sort of um, model and how you can apply sort of even something as, you know, you know, quote unquote, simple as like the lean startup canvas to any startup idea or sort of problem you're looking to solve. Um, And you can sort of repeat that activity and have that structure support you as you're navigating um, new, new problems that require new solutions in the world. And those are the types of things that um, I'm very proud to say, you know, I've been able to be, you know, a part of with you sort of, you know, helping, helping students get ready, um, you know, for what awaits when they do graduate.
0: Sure, and, and I think it, um, what we're doing here—you you hit great, great points all around there, Zach. <clears throat> what we're doing here um, in the entrepreneurship center and the direction we're taking—and and I have to give credit to my predecessor, Deirdre Sardarelli, who really laid a firm foundation with what we do here now—and it's allowed me to push it forward in ways that kind of accommodate the current state of the world. Um, and as you mentioned, we do have to be agile. We do have to be—I um, guess. Uh, open to the possibilities that other like-minded people bring, whether it be from local communities or global. Um, And it just really uh, rounds out a student's activity. But what I love about what we're doing here is that it really um, underscores the experiential learning platform that Endicott cultivates here with our internship programs. And it brings the real world right into the classroom. Um, And I think that, Gives us the leg up with our graduates; they're ready to launch their careers the moment they step beyond the, the campus here. Um, so it's it's a village that is working in the same direction, and there's just a lot of facets to it, and, and I think that's yeah. so valuable.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, well said. So it's it's, it's kind of a neat um, role for you too, just in the fact the fact that it's sort of a, it's such a lovely campus, and, and you know, just just you know, just beautiful. Um, in just such a beautiful area along the, you know, the, you know, the the coast here and on the North shore and it's kind of in your backyard where you grew up. Right. So I'm I'm just curious, you know, can you share, share a little bit of, of sort of, um, your upbringing? Like it sounds like you had a working class sort of neighborhood that you grew up in North shore, but can you just, you know, share some more details? Like what was it like growing up in this area? And and curious if you can give some perspective too on like what's, what stayed the same and what in sort of what's, what's
2: changed?
0: Um, you know that's a great question. I, I don't. I think the roots of my 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 upbringing have informed everything that I, I've done. My parents were very working class. Um, I grew up in Peabody, and in a, in a great neighborhood. My mom was a, an at home uh, mom, and you know, my dad worked multiple jobs in order to let that happen. We didn't have a ton growing up, and my parents incidentally never went to college. Um, my dad never graduated from high school, um, but yet his work ethic, what their work ethic um, was off the charts. Uh, Mm -hmm. Their family came first. We never knew that we didn't have a lot of money. Um, We we just never knew that. It was always a, a, we always had whatever it was that we needed. And, you know, we never realized until me in particular, as I got older, I realized how hard my dad worked in order to make that a seamless and transparent thing for us as children. Um, but I have a younger sister and it was paramount to both from my parents' perspective that we both go to college. Um, and so my, my, that's just what it was all about. So we're first generation college students and, uh, um, you know, it just, I learned that work ethic from my parents and very early on that lesson that my dad taught us as kids that you just own one thing in this world and it's your name and so you better take care of it and uh, everything that you do impacts your name it's the only thing that you own and so you when people hear your name you want them to think good things of you Um, and there it is so that I love that yeah I try to bring that into the classroom and I, I actually I can say that I have many students years after graduation who drop me a line and remember that and that I feel like I've done my job if they remember just that one thing. Nice, I taught them just that one thing. It's um, it's huge to me.
2: That's great. What's what's uh, I
1: appreciate that that sharing a bit on you sharing a bit on the personal side. It speaks a bit to in the pre-podcast questionnaire, like we we we're asking about role models, and and you talked about your parents. I think you just illustrated well, like why they are your role models. But it's also fitting that your parents uh, really. You know they advocated for you, you know, and your sister to be sort of the first generation that went to college. So yep. therefore, fitting that sort of. Can you speak a little bit to the to that next role model that you had sort of growing up, which which oh, kind of came sure. in college?
0: Yes, Dr. Geraldine Bronca. She was um, a force to be reckoned with, and I <laughs> I crossed her path at Merrimack when uh, she was a second year professor.
1: This is Merrimack College.
0: Yes. Yeah, and um, she was is absolutely brilliant and um took no prisoners i mean she um had high standards and it was at a time when um i i, I would say that i wasn't afraid of her but i was afraid to let her down sure and um she, i was very painfully shy as a as an undergrad and younger younger woman i um and she saw things in me that i didn't believe that i in myself at that time and she pushed and pushed and pushed and I, I am forever in her debt. Um, she made me. She helped me with the confidence factor, I think, and, and helping me to understand that whatever it was that I dreamed of doing or becoming was possible. And I, I, I say that because she grew up in a coal mining town in Pennsylvania, and I don't think her household had cold. Uh, they they had cold water and, and you know not not the greatest of facilities and whatnot, but. It didn't stop her. She went on to become a Fulbright and just a brilliant, brilliant woman. And I am forever in her debt. Um, that's,
2: that's amazing. Yeah,
1: well, she'll have to. We'll have to share this podcast with her. I think she'll that, really. She'll particularly like that that um, that high praise you just gave her.
0: Oh, she was phenomenal. Totally yeah. phenomenal.
1: Is she still over at at uh, sorry at Merrimack?
0: No, she's retired. I think she's living on the Cape right now. Last nice. I her, yeah. Oh, she's yeah.
1: retired. She's got time to listen to our our next <laughs> yeah. long conversation today. <laughs> um, so, so let's. I'm um, actually. So let's kind of double click on you know Merrimack College a little bit. Like I'm curious. Like so you you were studying. You know, let's let's talk in in sort of give a frame of reference to like time period here too, right? Because I think a lot of what your story it shares to young women is sort of just the some of the challenges for a young women and and, and sort of um, people from underrepresented communities still today are facing challenges, right, in business. It's well documented yep. the last couple of years. You were facing those challenges decades ago. So I'm curious, like, you know, having a female, um, you know, professor that had such a profound impact on you, like, like Dr. Branca obviously helped. Uh, but talk about sort of the college experience and sort of you know, your outlooks and prospects kind of, and what you were sort of seeking to do career, you know, career you wanted to to pursue um, after school and, and also just navigating that as a young ambitious woman.
0: Yep. Um, Well, you know, it's interesting. I think you and I have talked about this in the past where it's never a straight line. Um, I had at that time uh, wanted to become, I thought I wanted to go to law school when I got accepted to a couple of schools and uh, prior to my senior year, I had a, an internship at the Attorney General's office in Boston, and within days I realized this wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, it just it was not creative enough for me, um, so I uh, decided to take a different internship uh, at Polaroid, which yeah. is no longer. Well, they were they were they were kind of like the Apple computer of its day. And I landed in the marketing department there, and wow, what an experience that was! Um, I loved the energy and the creativity, and it just really tapped into a whole bunch of things that just spoke to me. Um, So, upon graduation, I actually landed a job there at a time when job market was pretty bad. what, and, what
1: year and what, what time, what time period yep, is this? So it
0: was 1978 that I graduated from. from okay. among, uh, so yep, it so. truly
1: was when Polaroid was, I mean, this is before Apple, you know, this is Polaroid is a darling company at this period of time. Right? Yeah. Oh, it's unbelievable.
0: Yeah. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, the height of creativity, there were yeah. went forwards all over the place. It was just astounding technology for its day. And, um, you know, one thing led to another and I, I stayed there for a bit and then moved on to another episode. Another powerhouse company for its day, digital equipment, um, okay. company that believed that the world would never want a personal computer. <laughs> <But> I, <laughs> I had a chance to work in that department for a few years. And again, it was highly resourced and it was just kind of the rock star of, of the industry at the time until they made a kind of a took a different path and were overtaken by the powers to be today. Um, it was at that point that I decided that I wanted to stay in the creative side of things. But um, lo and behold, the person that was shyer than could be in a bit of a stuttering problem decided to go um, into sales, um, <laughs> advertising sales. Yep. So I landed a job locally at the Salem Evening News, um, interestingly, and was running the net, what they called at the time, the national desk. So I interacted with ad agencies and whatnot. Yep. And then one day, um, I likened the the director of the ad department at the Salem News to uh, the Mary Tyler Moore character, Lou Grant. Um, He was gruff and very Irish and a a huge heart and just a huge personality. He was hysterically funny. And at noontime, um, when all the reps would come back into the office, if you, you knew you were in trouble, if he screamed your name out, he would stand at the back of the office and wait for everybody to come back and he would yell your name. Well, on this particular day, he, it was my turn. He yelled my name, and I thought, oh, God, uh, I, am, I think I'm going to get fired. I didn't know what I did, um, but I got called into his office, and it was a big blast-walled office, and everybody was sort of peeking into the windows. And I got—I was extremely nervous, and he uh, slammed his hand on the desk and said, congratulations, little girl, you're going out on the road. <laughs> so, um, that was my honor being promoted
1: that was how he promoted you oh,
0: that was <laughs> he me. knew what he was doing yeah, he was terrified i that's how he promoted me and then he um he uh started laughing because he knew i was scared and thought i was going to be fired and then i i started to panic because i was the last person you know in and of myself thought that i could be in front of people and sell things and it launched this, what was to be a pretty successful sales career um, in in advertising. I got to hang out with all the agencies in Boston and New York. Yeah, and that led to my career at International Paper, um, which became a global position ultimately, and it was wonderful. It, I uh, I, w- I was I never would have believed I would have wound up in that space, but there I was. <laughs> That's
1: amazing. And so that was um it was it was Jack. Jack, was
0: it Jack Splane. Jack Yep.
1: Nice. Thanks, Jack. So <laughs> l- l- so talk about that international, like talk about that kind of bigger role that that thrusted you into. And I'm sort of curious, like did you, my, my this is totally from a naive standpoint. Like my, my guess is that Jack kind of identified in you that you were whip smart and you would endear yourself in people's hearts in part because you had a bit of shyness to you and you weren't like the over eager, like overconfident, like salesperson. sales
0: yeah. Um, I think, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's funny that you mentioned that because I started with because I was when I was going through the quest of pre-podcast questionnaire I thought of that and and I am um, I was so unlikely a salesperson that I think that was the reason why it was successful yep. Yep. um I wasn't a I, I I learned how to listen to people pretty well and uh just get in their odds are and I think that's about val- it's valuable with whatever you're doing um that's and it right. just I was very fortunate every step of the way um in my paper manufacturing career to be mentored by bosses that saw something in me that again hearkening back to Dr. Bronca maybe I didn't see. Um, but once placed in the in the situation, I, I just really had the chance to they gave me the freedom to explore the the opportunity and I understood that I wasn't gonna let them down. And so we, we carried it to the next step. Um, and that's really the way it's been every step of the way. Um and I think that is underscored by the lessons that my parents taught me. Um, you just leave it better than when you got there. And um, that's how I approach things always. That's just, great.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, so talk about, uh, so talk about your career in, in sort of the, the printing industry and sort of what that entailed, what your role was and what kind of situation you had to navigate. I mean, it, to the extent that you have, you know, you have some that you want to share, po- you know, positive and or negative. Like, you, I mean, you've shared with me some really interesting stories from, from your career in business, because you still often were the only woman in the room and you were actually, act- and, and you were really catapulted to, um, you know, into you earned yourself, you know, th- that catapulting into some pretty senior in like international roles. So mm-hmm. what, like, speak to that a little bit, like, what was, you know, what was it like and, and, and how did you, how, you know, when you had those challenges, how did you face them? And and were there other jacks along the way that, that, you know, had to put people in their place because there was some chauvinist dude that, you know, wasn't, wasn't, you know, respecting you at, at the table. And, and then, you know, you have, you have, you've, you've always given, you know, good advice to the students at Endicott. And like, there's some good advice you're giving in the pre-podcast questionnaire about sort of like, not only listening to others, but kind of like listening and kind of, of you know, mo- like just monitoring others kind of like almost alluding to like they're like, body language, et cetera. And so I imagine I can't put myself in your shoes as a woman. I am a man. Um, but I I imagine I, I'm just trying to sort of imagine and kind of um, help tee you up to kind of illustrate just the extra thoughtfulness and nuance that you know, a young Dina de Champs had to exhibit as you were navigating and growing in sort of the, you know, business
2: landscape.
0: Well I think you know, it's interesting, Zach I- Every, my, my next, I would say my next role model were there were two, um, a guy by the name of Richard Casey that I worked with at a very, he hired me at a very small, um, distribution house, which is no longer, it was absorbed by some of the larger ones locally. Um, but he was the next champion of mine, I suppose. He saw, he gave me the opportunity to start a department, um, a consulting, a consulting department within the company that called on designers and whatnot and ad agencies and end users, people who would choose um, certain printing papers for all of their marketing materials. But Dick was, a, um, again, I was the only female salesperson at the time on that staff, but I was always surrounded, I was very lucky. I was always surrounded by gentlemen. And so I never really had any of those horror stories um, that we often read about. Um, But I also attribute it to the fact that my second mentor at that time, Mary McCauley, who was a uh, marketing manager for Strathmore Paper Company at the time, um, I remember training with her in New York City. Again, she, uh, you know, uh, a pioneer, if you will, on the female side of the industry. Always, she mentioned to me one day, always have your antenna up and keep your mouth shut. And so I, I understood that, you know, just pay attention and just be aware of what's around you and listen and and try to study people and, and what and their nuances and, and where they might be coming from. It's important to understand where they're coming from. And so I think that if you can do that, if you can develop those skills, it, it just only helps to serve um, what you're doing um, in an appropriate fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would tell that male, female, it doesn't matter, um, but it's yeah. important to understand where people are coming from. And if you can cultivate that ability I think it serves you well in the long run because it helps you to make the right decisions along the way
2: excellent
1: well 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 said um and sorry i mean i mean i cut cut you off there if you had some more to add
0: no no that no
2: you're
1: good great great so so i mean i i'd love to there's a couple other areas i want to i want to double click on one is when we were kind of preparing for the for the podcast, um, Josh, who, who, mm-hmm. who you're familiar with, our production coordinator. Yep. there's quite a quite a number of uh, groups where you've you have or you serve on leadership roles, uh, whether it's the Montserrat College of Art board, uh, Salem State University Foundation board, Girls Inc of Lynn jumped out at me. Like, in, in be, you know, beg some questions. I'm just curious. Like, do you want to speak to any of sort of the kind of the community work that you've been a part of and you're still a part of, and there's some of the, some of those things that you're you're proud you know you're proud of and. Uh, I think it's, it's really valuable, um, to Endicott, uh, certainly, and, and anyone that, that works with you The sort of, that you do have really interesting, um, sort of multi-directional, you know, sort of presence across the community, um, whether it's the arts or, or, um, or whatnot. So do you want to, do you want to sort of share any more, um, insight on some of those
0: things? Sure. Um, I, I, I would tell you that all of those involvements have served, um, to inform what I do every day. Um, and it, it feels good to give back in some fashion. Um, starting with Girls Inc., it, it, it was at a time when we were, uh, I became involved at a time when, uh, they were working on, uh, fundraising for their new facility, which they live in right now. Um, and when I tell you that they, it was so sorely needed, um, but it was just so gratifying to see how the, the volunteer work and the efforts of the board and all of the volunteers there um, impact the lives of, of young young women, little little girls and young women um, to open up the possibilities of what life have to, has to offer to them. Um, and one, one moment in particular that resonates with me is we, we would host a um, Thanksgiving dinner the day before Thanksgiving for the young women that were involved in the club. And I remember um, watching them come in, uh, all dressed up, and to them this was just like going to the Ritz-Carlton for dinner. Um, it, but here we are serving out kind of a potluck Thanksgiving dinner, and it, it would often—I would. I, this sounds crazy, but I was often—it was emotional in many ways. A lot of my interactions with the work that we did there, because because it was so important to these little kids. And so I think about that and how little it takes to, to give back. And, and I kind I of see that here at Endicott. It, it, there's nothing better than seeing a student um, when you know you've hit something when when they get all energized or you, you, you've, you've taught them something. You've opened their eyes to the possibilities. And I see that as a responsibility, not only as a citizen, but as an adult and, and just as a person. Um, it's important to give back. So, so that experience at Girls Inc. was phenomenal. Um, my work at, at Salem State, both I, I, I not only am a graduate there, uh, but it was just so important at a time when, again, we we launched the very first capital campaign, um, which became exceedingly successful. It was it, it it exceeded its goal, and again impacts lives uh, in a way that that kind of pays it forward. Um, allowing other first generation students to have a chance at something. Um and and every and across the board it's just been fun to work on those those projects with uh the AIGA of Boston at the time and Montserrat College of Art. And then you know it all serves again and informs what what I'm doing here. So I bring those experiences to to this and it it's just it's a it's a never a straight line as I said Zach. It it always but it always plays into that experience and informs what we're doing, you know, with the next thing. So it's it's great.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. The um the girls in court work is is super um super interesting and I mean all all of it is I I was actually chatting with Elizabeth last night, my my wife, just about um mm-hmm. uh, she's <laughs> Not, i got to be i got to be careful cuz it's sort of her career but she's 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 navigating things at, at the Northeast Animal Shelter where she works where mm-hmm. um where she can just be a little bit more involved in community outreach and and one of our best friends who kind of helped pull her into the shelter kind of leads that group and that means going into um they actually specifically um, the Northeast Animal Shelter goes to a lot of um uh, communities that are in poverty uh that mm-hmm. do have animals and just help do sort of um, Food drives both for, you know, more often for the animals, uh, sometimes also for the for the families. And it's work that my wife's really interested in. And she's kind of been more volunteering for, and she might be able to take a more earnest, make a more earnest effort to support it. And my feedback was like, number one, that makes me really happy. And I love you <laughs> that that's what you want to do. Number two, if like, I want to go and participate in that and volunteer with Mila, our daughter, because it's right. wonderful to instill that in her early um you know the value of of just kind of you know help helping people that you know maybe could use a little bit of you know assistance and and just um in support um so so yeah so in the in the in the months and the years ahead like i think there's no shortage of uh there's some interesting sort of you know collaborations that can be done and i think this is where going back to your advertising experience and you deciding well i didn't really like the Attorney General's office in Suffolk County, but I really like Polaroid in this marketing role. I think that just speaks. To you, you're like, you know, we're we're of similar minds. We're both creative, mm-hmm. and I think creative minds are really um, can have a lot of interesting value for a place like Endicott College, where you know, we can we can do some really multi, you know, faceted events with you know local businesses, local charities, um, you know, maybe helping small business owners or aspiring small business owners that are lacking support. Um, so kind of like coalescing, you know, our like what you know your your pre-existing interest and in just in in just helping people in the community and in finding ways to kind of tie in the community to Endicott um, is I, I, those are those are things that I'm you know add to the the long list of of reasons why I'm excited about what the years ahead um, entail for us collaborating.
0: Sure, I mean, I, I ultimately is love to see Endicott. And, and this department become a, a resource to the greater community. Yeah. Um, and, and those who might be marginalized, but have aspirations to become entrepreneurial entrepreneurs and start their own firms. Um, it's, it's a next iteration of what we're doing here, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So let's, let's kind of go back into um, the angle center. Let's let's, sure. uh, I'd love to talk a bit more, um, like describe sort of to the extent that, you know, that, that that you can right now, like to describe a bit of like the, like the vision, like you, you you mentioned Deirdre Satorelli and sort of some of the work that you put in and you, and you guys are good friends. There's really good continuity. I think with, with you kind of coming in and taking over the reins and you and Deirdre being such, so aligned and in lockstep. Uh, you know, there's, there's, you know, there's my, my involvement and I've been, I've been around for a few years now. Uh, what, what are you, you know, like we have it's spring semester, This semester crescendos with Spark Tank, which you mentioned earlier, which is a pitch competition where um, entrepreneurs are are pitching for a grand prize of $10,000 and the quality in that pitch competition just gets better and better each year. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are some of the other things that you're excited about um, developing at at the Angle Center and, and sort of into next year and the years ahead?
0: Sure. Um, well, um, some of the I, these are just ideas that I've been tossing around here. But again, yeah. we would love to become a greater resource to the local community, um, you know, to, to help with in some way, if at all possible, with economic development of the downtown area here in Beverly and beyond. Um, I would love to be a resource to uh, anybody who comes along and has questions. We, and that requires building out staff and and resources, certainly. Um, we would love to focus on, um, female entrepreneurs and those marginalized in a way that, um, they, they, they perhaps don't know the, the point of entry, um, to help with in that regard. So we've been doing, we've begun planting seeds of outreach to, to organizations and, and, um, grant opportunities, for instance, that might uh, be interested in funding that effort. Um, but, but again, it's, it's baby steps in a way, you know, big, big picture, uh, vision but baby steps and putting all the bricks in the right place so that we have the foundation to make that happen um, and then certainly to you know refocusing internally to really um uh, i i guess I, I am so thrilled with the, the involvement um, in the fuel club and in the entrepreneurship track um because it, there's a ton of energy around it and students from all directions are coming here to be involved so, it just really is so exciting to see the ideas that they're coming up with. I, I'm always amazed at what, what they come up with. And as you indicated, the quality of those ideas has improved exponentially each and every year. Um, and so, I look forward to having a, a pretty cool spark tank this, this spring. Um, but the cool thing is, is that we're gaining, we're, we're earning attention from the outside community. And I think that's a, a great thing. And it's also a responsibility to keep the quality of what we're doing. Um, high and, and good and just be doing the right thing every step of the way, so that's that's in a nutshell what we're well hoping said. to do yeah
1: yeah well said well said yeah i'm i'm looking forward we, we we've talked about this stuff a lot, and we're still in the ideation phase on some of this stuff, but from uh, women's entrepreneur um women entrepreneurs and and uh sort of underrepresented uh entrepreneur sort of um events and programming like there's a lot of overlap between those intentions and just the general intentions of Boston Speaks Up and the guests that I've had on over the last few years. And I, I, I'm really excited that Endicott, um, and is sort of blossoming in the way that it is because it kind of, you know, to your, to another point you made, which, you know, I want to talk a little bit about the impact of the pandemic, which is still rearing its head on us. Um, you know, I really liked what you were saying in the pre-podcast questionnaire answers about sort of just, you know the, the importance of you know human connection and face to face because i'm I'm eager to bring together people that I've connected with on in and interviewed on Boston Speaks Up and beyond uh, in the physical world and and I think there's some really neat ways that the those those guests those those sort of new you know friends of mine that I'm grateful to have like really will fit naturally into um, some of the effort you know the initiatives that that you're developing at Endicott.
0: Exactly. Just the, the whole, that, yeah. and that's a whole other track, Zach, with the yeah. you know, social responsibility and you know, social entrepreneurship. It's a, it's a, it's a, another, another facet of this. Yeah. And what is so important.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it is January, 2022. We're almost, you know, geez, two years into this, but we're still uh-huh. in a pandemic and just, I'd be remiss not to, to ask you to, to share with listeners. Like how's the experience been? So you've been an adjunct professor for a couple of years. You spent this past semester navigating like, okay, we're in a, we're in a, we're in the pandemic world where there is a vaccine, but we still have to be safe and responsible. And how's it been? Like, how's it been on campus? And, and just, you know, like, how's it, how's it, how's it impacting Endicott? and, And what do you, you know, what do you think of some of those challenges and sort of the pivot at times to sort of virtual school and sort of, you know, generally speaking with sort of like, you know, virtual business and communication?
0: Right. Well, I have to give credit to this this campus um, administration and everybody there in the students, especially they have. um, I I can't say enough. I mean, they they are just so respectful and they just want to be here. So they're they're Everybody's willing to do what it takes to make it okay and safe. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that that's the first that's the first priority to make it safe and to make it okay for everyone. And, you know, it's often I bring guests here to campus and the one thing that they always say, I I think I'm 100 percent on this comment, um, is how polite um, our students are and and obviously respectful they are of one another and and their environment. So I feel pretty lucky to be here in that regard. And so that that gives rise to this, how I feel about my role here is that I feel there a tremendous sense of responsibility to make it okay for our students in any way that I can. Um, I, am. I, I think given this unusual time that we're in, it takes a little more effort to make it energetic and fun and interesting. Um, and my colleagues and I have, you know, we, we chat about this all the time and how to, how to make that energy obvious, um, so that students will gravitate toward it because it is difficult. I mean, we're, we're pack animals, if you will, and we do need that human interaction. There's nothing better. Um, But there are ways around it, and we just try our hardest to make it robust and to make it energetic. And quite honestly, that's why we have engaged with our sister um, institution in Ireland, Munster Technical University, with this, uh, you know, transatlantic innovation challenge that I have nine students here in the the entrepreneurship track have risen to the occasion and they're going to participate. But it's those things that we can do to make it, um, still interesting and, and kind of be. It's important to stay positive
2: mm-hmm. because
0: we will we will work our way out of this. Um, we, we have to we have to. Um, and at the same time, I I would suggest that there's probably been never a better time to be entrepreneurially minded um, because it's going to take that type of thinking to improve where we're at right now. Um, and so there, I, I see students working on those efforts. And uh, but. At the same time, as a, as an instructor, as the director of the, the Angle Center, I feel an enormous responsibility to do all that I can to make it a, a rich experience for them. And so we sometimes have to do it a little differently. But at the end of the day, they need to know that somebody's on the other end of the phone or the computer or wherever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I
1: mean, it's it's it, it, what my takeaway from what you just said is like you're you're just finding the silver linings. Like there's obviously schools are back. Uh, Students are back on campus, but they just experienced like the year pri- year previous to this one where they were most more often than not remote being remote schooled and doing a lot of virtual Zoom classrooms. So it stands to reason to plug into some cross-continent um, partners like MTU, because what's what's the difference that uh, they're on? A, they're on their if they're on the computer and they're getting accustomed now. More than more than I ever was, you know, fifteen years ago, twenty years ago in college, uh, they're getting. You know, students are accustomed to you know collaborating through, you know, sort of their virtual world and that they can tap into through a video um, conference. What's the difference between students and professors that are maybe less than a mile from them or half a world away? Exactly. Um, and so I think that's the silver lining here is like, wow, like we can we can lean in a bit. And maybe we can, we can, we can, we don't have geographic boundaries. So, oh, wow. <laughs> where does, where does a creative mind like, like a, like a Gina DeChamps mind go? And, and clearly it's, it's evidence with that, um, with this current program. And I think, you know, for the future, it will be exciting to see more programs like it or just the evolution of, of this sort of initiative evolve, um, over time, because I think that's sort of how a college goes from being like, innovative to sort of like future-proof. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And uh, quite honestly, it's given us access to people that may not have otherwise been able to be here physically. So exactly. Um, it's, it's that, that's the silver lining. Yeah. And I think as, as an adult, as an instructor, as a a role model, perhaps, or a leader, we, we owe it to our younger people to, to stay positive as, and it's difficult sometimes and, and it's exhausting. We, this has been tough. Um, but if they see us starting to falter a little bit or the cracks starting to show, it, it kind of, you know, scares them a little bit, for instance. So it's it's our job to make it OK. And what uh, we're trying our hardest to do so.
1: Absolutely. Well, well said. The, Gina, the, one of the questions that we at, we love to ask every guest and we're sort of we're we're getting we're getting to that point where I, I love to ask well, and, and you, you you answered this in the pre podcast questionnaire but please elaborate on it but challenge to listeners um, like what you you know what you would challenge them I and mean, it sounds like you're taking on the challenge a bit yourself
0: yeah um well so the cha- I mean in terms of so the challenge is, I, I wake up every day and um, I, I I fail to mention something in the in the questionnaire I, I try to do one kind thing for somebody every day like consciously think of something that I need to do for somebody um and because I Again, I guess it goes back to my volunteer days when, you know, doing those things makes you feel good. Right. Um, but there's nothing better than trying to help someone, I think. Um, yeah. it's just a random act of kindness. I think it and I end I end the day thinking about what those little spots in the day might have been. Um, I'm one of those people that sort of ends the day wondering or thinking about where I was during the, the last 12 or 15 hours and who I might have impacted or who impacted me. Um, and I always come up with a a list. Um, so yeah, so that I would, I would challenge people to, I think now more than ever, it's important to be kind and patient, um, because there's a lot of stuff going on and, uh, you know, it's just unsettling. We we've been upended here and I think that's required even more now than it ever has been.
1: That's well said. Um, the most, the previous guest we had, um, it, uh, Rags uh, Gupta, he's a serial entrepreneur. He's currently the president of a startup called Butler. Um, he, had a, he had a really cool and similar challenge of reaching out to um, five people in your life that won't expect it with just yep. like expressions of gratitude. Yeah. Um, which I actually did after he set that challenge. I just thought that was really neat, but similar kind of challenge from, you know, from you and just kind of, it, it's something you, it, and it's really a practice that you, it's something you practice that yes. you're just, you know, that you're, that I think is a lovely recommendation to folks. And then the, the other thing you mentioned in the questionnaire was, um, trying to read one book every week mm-hmm. and also, uh, learning a new language. So those are a couple challenges that you've you know taken on this year or those things you you're, you're, you're. You're trying to keep up with those New Year's resolutions.
0: No, it, those are new things this year. Nice. Um I'm, I'm an avid reader anyway, but I wanted to up the ante a little bit. Um, nice. Because I decided that there are way too many books that I haven't read yet. Right. <laughs> and uh, and learning a new language, I I decided, I I remember my grandparents speaking Italian in the house, and I could understand what they were saying, but I've lost it. So I wanted to revisit that and and add to the language skills a little bit.
1: Nice. And you're using Babbel.
0: Yeah yeah
1: cool and you 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 like it
0: i do and if so if you see me driving on town talking
1: (laughs) (laughs) i don't know why yeah because for for (laughs) listeners uh gina and i live around the corner from each other which we we didn't realize that until we started working together We're like wait a second we're neighbors
0: um
1: (laughs) all right i'll know like there's a chance gina's on a call in her car but there's probably a better chance she's just practicing (laughs) italian
0: if my hands are flying behind the wheel that's what i'm
1: doing is it helpful to is it because you did hear Italian growing up and have some background with it, is it, do you feel like things are, it's it's kind of kicking back up some sort of like memory recall for you with the language? Oh,
0: for sure. For yeah. sure. My family, I, I come from a giant Italian family in Schenectady, New York. And I just so fondly remember those days of sitting at my grandfather had a little little farm. Uh, and we would go there on Sunday afternoons. And, uh, you know, just the whole, if you didn't show up, you were in trouble with my grandfather.
1: And, um, oh i miss those days and, uh, I mean, that was so, oh that yeah. sounds lovely
0: and then i remember in particular my grandmother um she would sit under they had a beautiful grape barber and she would sit under the grape barber yeah. and uh she had very long hair and she would often wash it and rinse it with i this is crazy how smells uh come back to you but she would rinse her hair in rose water and i would get to brush it in the sun and then oh. she would turn it up in into a bun but um, those days were, it was true. All we did was laugh. We would eat and laugh and, you know, yell at each other and just be Italian. <laughs> That's
1: awesome. Well, speaking of just being Italian, you're just, I, I'll, my, I'll share my version of that. So my, my grandmother, Grammy Servideo, who, yeah. who's still, still, um, still doing pretty well. She's in, the, she's the one who's in the nursing, um,
2: yes. uh, nursing yeah. care
1: center, courtyard nursing in, in uh, Medford that I go and visit that I've talked to you about. Yeah. So her mother, uh, my great grandmother, but her mother, uh, she used to every Sunday, she would make a feast and yep. and she'd call everyone up and she'd be like, Oh, just come over. Like, you know, I got, I, you know, I got, I got this food. I got no one here. And she just like, she just called everyone over. And, and, you know, when I was like a baby and kind of just, you know, first couple of years of my life, um, you know, my my parents were like helping out with their like dry cleaner, you know, business that they had going. Like we would all be re- like, everyone would be required to go and, uh, and it would just turn into this like huge Sunday, like holiday gathering, which yeah. for folks that haven't experienced it, like it's, it's, it's for me at this point, like I haven't had as grandiose a holiday I granted the pandemic impact that the last couple of years. I can't like, I haven't had a holiday like that in like a decade. Like right. the the Sunday dinners that used to happen in 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 my Italian family were more grand than any holiday I've had in
2: for sure probably ten week. years and it was, it every, was every week, week.
1: <laughs> yeah it was something else uh, yeah. well maybe maybe what we'll do is we'll break bread one of these days maybe we'll bring we'll 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 bring back the Sunday dinner tradition and there you uh, go uh, we can do it in the neighborhood here and you can get a chance to to meet Elizabeth and Mila who who love their um love their caps that you made oh. Oh, actually, that's something I didn't ask you about for like, you, you're, you're, you're quite, you're quite talented with the knitting.
0: Well, so that comes to my <laughs> other grandmother, uh, Helena. She was, um, she taught me how to crochet at a very young age. And then that was actually, the knitting was, uh, another New Year's resolution a few years ago. I just couldn't get the hang of it. Then one day I came upon a woman from Wenham, a Norwegian woman, her name was incidentally Helen. And, um, she, she, I don't know. Whatever it was, how she explained to me, I was knitting within thirty minutes. It clicked. And I have, yeah, and I haven't stopped since. so
1: wow. Is she actually an instructor? It sounds like she should be an instructor. Yeah. <laughs> She's pretty good.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I don't know. I just That's found the right and there you go.
1: <laughs> That's lovely. Uh, yeah. Well, D- D- Gina, this this has been uh, w- a wonderful conversation. I I really appreciate. It. I'm, I'm so grateful, fine. grateful, grateful for the time today. Grateful for the opportunity to keep working together at Endicott College. And yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to share this conversation with, with the community, you know, Endicott community, the Boston Innovation community, and, and beyond. So really, you know, thank you for the time today.
0: I appreciate it very much, Zach. Thank you okay. so much, and be well.
1: You too. I'll, I'll see you soon once this once this latest variant calms down.
0: Uh, I hope so.
1: <laughs> yeah. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. You have a lovely day.
0: You as well. Take care. Okay, cheers. Bye-bye.
1: Bye. Cheers, Boston.